G'day and welcome to day two of the Tokyo's 2020 podcast. It's been a great day of some niche, obscure sport and as well as some of the more popular sports um, on the Olympic schedule. Uh, there's been plenty of teeth, plenty of action to sink our teeth into, and it's, I think it's just a taste of what's to come. We'll throw to you first, Ollie. Um, welcome back. How Thanks, you going, Al. first of all? Mate, it's been a good day. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, my time in lockdown today, sitting back, enjoying the uh, copious amount of sport on offer. Excellent. And Tom, plenty of rowing in the famous cycling road race today, two of your favourite sports. How was day one of the Olympics in the Murphy household? Uh, it was good, mate. I mean, apart from the fact that the West Tigers lost, um, which put a little dampener on it, it was good. Smorgasbord of sport um, doesn't get much better. Absolutely. I'm sure Ollie took a bit of pleasure in seeing the West Tigers lose, but let's not dwell on that. Absolutely. I just want to know how you, um, with all that sport on, Tom, how you found the time to go to uh, Town Hall and protest today. <laughs> KO's a great app, mate. <laughs> All right, we might have to delete that part. But, uh, <laughs> just, just for the record, I don't think Tom was actually there. Uh, but I don't know how his political um, affiliations work. Anyway, um, all right, gentlemen, as we do on every episode, um, we, let's just get through a quick niche question about your favourite Olympic topics. So there's been plenty of you know quirky, obscure, or just playing weird events in the history of the Games. Um, I'd love to know what your favourite obscure moment has been in the history of the Games. Let's throw to you first, Tom. Well, I suppose it's not uh, as obscure as it is just an amazing feat. And I think it's probably something that none of us would even contemplate doing in this day and age. But in uh, the 1960 Olympics, Abebe Bikili uh, famously won the marathon uh, the gold in the marathon in his in with no no shoes on at all, barefoot, um, because that's how he had that's how he trained his whole life. That's how he'd learned to run, and he thought, you know, let's go to the Olympics, do it barefoot, beat the world. Then he backed it up in '64 in Tokyo, funnily enough, with another gold medal, both world records. Um, so just an amazing feat, kind of obscure, but you know, in this day and age, I don't think we'd uh, ever see anyone do that again. Did he have the shoes on in Tokyo, do you know? No, yeah, he went to the shoes in Tokyo. Yeah, someone must have convinced him. I, I dare say maybe a sponsor got on board. Fair enough. Um, how about you, Ollie? Favourite obscure moment? Uh, mate, my favourite obscure moment, I think, is in the second ever Olympic Games. Little known fact, cricket was one of the uh, sports included. Uh, and the final came down, the gold medal match came down to the uh, great cricketing powerhouses of Great Britain, which obviously features England, who were very, uh, very good back in that back in that time, and the other one was the French, who we all know, massive cricket fans. Uh, it came came down to the second innings. Innings, England had held a slender lead, a lead of 184 runs, um, and France got bowled out for 26, handing the Poms the gold medal, which I think, uh, and the first and only gold. Cricketing gold ever in the Olympic Games, and probably the last, unless the um, Anastasia and Johnny Coates can sneak sneak the bit of T twenty into the games in Brisbane in twenty thirty two. If you think if rugby league can get a gig, <laughs> surely cricket can put its hand up. I'm really looking forward to JT Watt in the flame. I tell you what, <laughs> absolutely. 
Um, yeah, in terms of me, um, probably not quite as ancient as Ollie's one, but still something that happened before I was born. Uh, in 1992 in Barcelona, a great city if you've never been there. Uh, once the pandemic's over, get yourself over there because you'll have a ball. Um, but actually had the outdoor, had the diving um, outdoors um, on the top of a hill overlooking the whole city. So basically it was a photographer's dream. You've got some, some really sort of outstanding photos of um, the divers sort of tucking and twirling and twisting. Um, over that famous sort of Barcelona cityscape with the Sagrada Familia. And um, it was just a, a really great and a, a bit of a um, unique spot for such a, a sport, which probably wouldn't normally garner that, that big of a popular following. What's your favourite nightclub in Barcelona, Al? Oh, I didn't actually get the chance to head to the nightclubs when I was in Barcelona. I had a bloody rogue whopper in um, on the way there, so I was lucky enough to get out a bit during the day, and then spent most of the night hugging the toilet. So, <laughs> bit under the weather, mate. But I've heard I've heard Razzmatazz goes yeah. right. Cracking venue, yeah. Opium, they're all good. Yeah, plenty of extracurricular activities getting around in Barcelona as well. Enough of that, Al. Let's get out. Let's get into the recap of today. Yeah, so it was a big day of big day of sport today on Saturday, as it normally is. It's a bit of a first. I didn't even get much of a chance to watch the horses going around all around Australia. Um, all right. So the first first um, off the rack was the hockey. Mate, that was a cracking game this morning. The, um, the Kookaburras came out early, took a 2-0 lead. Uh, looked like, you know, it was a walk in the park against the 15th ranked Japanese team, the host nation. And then the Japs came back and uh, actually went into halftime 3-2 up, uh, which sort of shocked the Kookaburras into action and they ended up coming away with a 5-3, hard-fought 5-3 win. So they get their campaign off to a cracking start and move on to their next game. Yeah, not, not typically a, um, a, a strong suit for the Japanese and something the, the Kookaburras would uh, be expecting to win a bit more convincingly in previous years, but I guess you, that just yeah. shows the... The impact of um, being a home team. And they've got India tomorrow, which is much, much, you know, more renowned hockey nation. So I think they need to clean up up their act. Playing, um, like playing up a bit with the athletes too. Like the the poor old hockey players were uh, roasting out there today, as were the, uh, as were the cyclists. So I think that'll play into it a bit. If you haven't acclimatised to the heat, then you might be in a bit of strife. I saw on Twitter you added some strong thoughts on the uh, television match official, Tom. Yeah, well, I don't know if anyone, I know you blokes are watching, but any of our listeners um, managed to see the hockey. But the VAR um, is an absolute joke. It takes about five <laughs> minutes to get one decision through. I know we're pretty, um, my, my tweet basically pointed to the fact that we're pretty critical of the bunker in the NRL. But, I, geez, like it's... The bunk is nothing on this. It takes a good five minutes to decide whether it's hit a foot or whether there's been a penalty. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It genuinely made the game go about 20 minutes longer than it should have. Yeah, and with the penalties, the penalty corners and the corners, there's a lot to wrap your head around with the sort yeah, of yeah. bizarre rules. Yeah, it's an interesting sport, the old hockey, but on the cookers. Anyway, speaking of the heat, how did it impact the rowing today, Tommy? It looked like a great day out there. It's, I know it's a sport you're quite passionate about. Yeah, well, maybe once upon a time, but uh, very interesting. If anyone was watching the rowing today, it looks as if it's uh, 
being the course looks as if it runs down a shipping lane, um, goes under a bridge, uh, a little bit different to what we've been used to in the past. Uh, but no, the Aussies performed very well um, by and large. The the women's pair, Jessica Morris and Annabelle McIntyre, were outstanding, uh, controlled the race from the get-go and looked very poised and controlled uh, throughout. And even more remarkable in the fact that they backed up in the four uh, later in the day um, as the stern pair and then went on to guide that four uh, to victory in the, in the heat. So they've gone through in the four straight to the final um, and in the pair they're into the semi. So great effort from those two girls in particular. Um, and I, I spoke last night about the men's four and how I thought they were a good medal chance, particularly a gold chance, and they showed their class today. They were pretty dominant um, in their heat. Uh, as were as were the English, um, so they're both straight through to the final, and I think it's going to be a great battle, the Aussies and uh, Great Britain. So you know, fingers crossed, we get gold there, and I think the women's four too. They should be a good shot with, with gold. Um, Sam Hardy and Josh Hicks they cruise through their heat there into the semis on Tuesday, and a little bit more of a disappointing result in the uh, the men's eight. Um, who finished behind the US, Germany, and Romania. So they have to go through the repper charge, which I think is tomorrow or Monday. So that's obviously, you know, having another race to get through, it um, makes things a little bit more difficult. But fingers crossed they can put together a little bit better, a bit better a race there and, um, you know, contest the A final. Just a question about the, the men's four there, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed today that Norway have like the, um, this it goes like stroke, and then whoever else have alternating yeah, yeah. like the yeah, sides, the rig, the rig and then, on the same side. And I saw today you had the stroke and the bow on the yeah, same side, and then the two and three seats. And then Hargs riggers were both on the on the bow side, I think. So that's just just a timing thing, usually. Um, like m- what happens is in rowing, some most people will have a favored side, whether it be stroke or bow side, and um. You know, sometimes you just have two rowers that'll work better behind or in front of each other. And if they row on the same side, you can actually rig your boat up to um, to allow for that. So that's all it is. It doesn't really change much. But I think um, from memory, uh, that is actually almost more efficient to have it rigged with your uh, two and three seat on the same side and your bow and your, your stroke on the same. So, yeah. And how about you, Tommy? You... You prefer stroking on the bow or stroking on the stroke? No, I finished up as a bow side rower. Um, but yeah, Lemo, any any more questions? Mate, I've got one for you. I thought it was interesting today. I don't know if it's been done before. The men's cocks in the women's rowing events and women's cocks in the men's rowing events. Is that yeah. a new thing? Uh, it is a recent development. I mean, I can't comment on whether, you know, a regulation change, but I know that the men's eight um, had a cox for a long time, a female cox for the last couple of years, um, and that the women's eight has a male cox. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm not really entirely sure, uh, as I said, what the rules are, but I guess it just depends, like, who's working the best, you know, with a cox. It's a lot about compatibility and um, how well they can motivate a crew to get going. So they just thought, obviously, that... For instance, in the in the female eight, in the women's eight, that the um, 
that the male cox, I think his name's J- James Rook, uh, that he could get the best out of his crew. So, yeah, maybe, maybe something we'll see a little bit more of over the next while. And then next off the rank, we had the uh, the beach volleyball. It's sort of, for such a sort of a unique sport, there seems to be quite a big and long um, process in getting to the finals and that. So probably not too much to talk about there. So we're sort of getting through the preliminary stage. I think there's 48 teams in, eight, in each of them, in the men's and the women's. So, um, and then we had the Taekwondo. We had a lone Aussie in the, in the men's 58 category today, Safwan Khalil, um, getting knocked out in the first round. So unfortunately, as we spoke about yesterday, there's no emulating the great feats of Lauren Burns. Um, after that, we had the cycling road race, um, which saw no real surprises in terms of Pogacar and Vout Van Aert, who we, who we spoke about last night, um, filling the, the minors. But we had a former Giro d'Italia winner, Carapaz from Ecuador, taking the gold there. So it's good to see a different name, um, at least from this year's sort of majors, um, taking that out. Um, and then we had the tennis. And I think I think you're watching that pretty close to the limb with one of your favourite Sam Stozer in action. Yeah, that's right, Al. Um, at the tennis court, we had uh, uh, Ash Barty today. She got the job done, which was good to see in the doubles with Storm Sanders. John Millman got a win in the singles. And in other news, grass is green, water is wet, and Sam Stozer crashed out in the first round. So nothing new there. Uh, there was bad news and good news out of the Fukushima Azuma softball stadium. Uh, the bad news was that the Australian spirit went down to Canada 7-1, which says the end of their campaign. The good news is that we never have to watch softball for another four years. Um, and then we went to the water polo. Oh, you're watching that one pretty close, early. Yeah, I sort of got a glimpse of that um, after I got home from playing a bit of golf down at Royal Farrah. Shout out to Brad Jeffries for keeping the course down there in terrific nick. Um, yeah, it was a good sort of settler win for the for the Stingers, getting up 8-5. Um, Hannah Buckling looked to have a pretty good game after suffering a broken eye socket in Rio and sort of having her tournament ruined. So that's great to see. Um, and then we had the Matildas versus uh, your motherland, Sweden, Ollie. So what happened there? Mate, it was a cracking game. Uh, the Swedes got an early goal, um, which rattled the Matildas a little bit, but they steadied the ship and came back and uh, leveled before half time through the head of Sam Kerr. Uh, then went went ahead just after half time. Kerr got a double. Um, there was a big penalty shout that probably should have been given. Ref, ref wasn't on our side all day, might have just that. Um, but then the Swedes came back and uh, went up, got two quick goals to go up 3-2. And Sammy Kerr had a penalty with about 20 to go to level the scores. Unfortunately, she sort of hit it middle, uh, just slightly to the right probably, and uh, keeper was good enough to get a leg to it. Um, So that was kept out, and then the Swedes went up the other end and scored about five minutes later to finish 4-2. Uh, campaign not over for the Matildas yet after their big win against New Zealand on uh, Wednesday night. They face uh, the US, the US women's national team, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so they'll be looking for a big result there. I think with the way they went, they went down by two goals. The US lost to Sweden by three. 
So it's sort of in our favour to go through because um, top two go through and then two of the best place, third, uh, two of the third place getters go through, depending on results. So we're in, we're in with a good chance there, I think. Yeah, I just I've just checked the live scores as well, and um, about seventy two minutes in, I think, and it seems to be two 0 up to the US against the Kiwis at the moment. So. Looking like that's going to be the all-important game in terms of getting a, a bit of a softer run that through the playoffs. That last goal against the Kiwis could come back to hurt us. They scored on about 90 minutes in. Um, when we're up 2-0, it could come back to hurt us. So we'll see how we go. But, um, gee, Sam Kerr's a goer. She's an absolute gun. Look the goods tonight. Absolutely. And the sporting talent runs rich for that family with Daniel Kerr, an AFL Premiership player and a superstar for the, for the West Coast Eagles, for our AFL fans out there. Uh, then we had the swimming, which is just sort of wrapped up as we started recording tonight. Uh, we'll sort of only had the heats um, for the events that have the finals tomorrow morning. So I think Tommy's going to talk through them um, as we get through tomorrow's events. Um, but sort of going through in order of tomorrow, we're um, kicking off with the first round of the surfing. It's the first time that surfing's ever been in the Olympics. Yeah, making its debut tomorrow morning, and we've got uh, 8 a.m. start, which is perfect. About three hours before Al gets up, so he'll probably missed that one. But Owen Wright from Kalbara and Julian Wilson from Corn, they're our big Aussie hopes, and in with the chance, big medal hopefuls there. Um, so we'll see how they go. Yeah, absolutely. Then we've got the Hockey Roos kicking off their campaign against Spain. Um, the Aussie spirit, Ollie's favourite um, national side, um, back in action in the softball against the US. Probably won't be pretty watching for any Aussie softball fans out there. Uh, then we've got Talika Kansi and Marife Artacho in the women's beach volleyball. With, there's a bit of judo, a bit of canoe slalom, the women's road race. Um, then we've got the men's water polo in action at 4.30 and then uh, a big night coming up for some of our bigger medal hopes tomorrow night, kicking off from 5 o'clock with... Uh, Jess Fox in the K1 slalom in the kayaking. Um, she's a massive gold hope in sort of both the, the slalom, kayaking and the canoeing. So um, that'll be a terrific watch. Um, if, you, if you're not a kayaking fan, it's um, the slalom. It's pretty much the same as the Winter Olympics. They're going downhill. They're sort of going with the stream. It's very fast and um, exciting. Right. Spectator uh, sport. Yeah. Terrific spectator sport. And then, um, one I've certainly been looking forward to is Paddy Mills and the Mighty Boomers kicking off their um, Olympic campaign against the Nigerians, who they had a win against in the Las Vegas pre-tournament. Yeah, they look really good, the Boomers in um, Las Vegas. They've got a handful of um, NBA players. So did Nigeria, mind you. They've got eight NBA players themselves. So it should be a good contest, but led by the great Paddy Mills, who uh, a lot of people have come out and said, including the great Bill Simmons, Shout out to Bill. I know he's a listener. Um, he's called him the greatest international basketball player of all time, which is pretty big accolade. Um, so he, he'll be looking to get the Boomers off to a fine start in their first quest in their quest for their first medal. Um, so very very much looking forward to that one tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. And just um, shout out to Bill's co-host Ryan Rosillo. Sort of named the Australian starting five in the last game, but called uh, the uh, the great Nick K, one of the Tamworth's finest exports, um, number 15. Just letting you know, Ryan, his name's Nick K. He's a power forward for Real Batiste. 
Um, and you might want to learn his name considering the absolute pantsing he gave your nation the last time you played him. Um, anyway, enough of that. We've got the Kookaburras back in action at 7.30 up against India and then 8.30 p.m. What I've been really looking forward to since the big win uh, the other night is the Oli Roos up against Spain. Um, Spain sort of came into this football tournament as probably the second favourites behind a really good Brazil side. Uh, they've got some of their biggest stars from the Euros uh, with Pedri, 18-year-old from Barcelona. Um, Danny Olmo had a great tournament. Um, and then their starting keeper sort of disposing um, David De Gea and Kepa from Chelsea. Um, but, yeah, the Oli Roos um, promised to shock the world and they did that the other night. And he's hoping they can keep that up against a Spanish team who's probably... Um, on red alert after watching the Oli Roos put in a, a, a great performance against the Argentinians. And then um, over to you, Tommy. I think you've um, had a big night watching the swimming so far, so keen to hear thoughts about our um, prospects in the finals tomorrow morning. Yeah, well, I don't know if it'll be expert opinion, but uh, big day big day of swimming because we've got the finals to suit the Yanks. The finals will be on in the morning, the heats, the night. So... Tomorrow morning at 11.30, we've got the final of the men's 400 IM. Um, so for anyone that watched tonight, we saw Brendan Smith was um, quite dominant, um, particularly in that free sale um, leg of his, of the IM, to come home and, and qualifies the fastest um, and knocking out the Japanese favourite, Sito, in the process. So that'll be an exciting one to watch. Um, following that, we've got the men's 400 free final. So Elijah Winnington and Jack McLaughlin, they, um, they tied fourth fastest. They're in the same heat uh, tonight. So they'll be, um, they'll be definitely in with a shot. You know, it's hard to get a gauge with heat swimming as to how people are traveling. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to shave a couple of seconds off their time tonight and um, really push for some medals. Um, Looks like a very uh, – that'll be a highly contested contest, that one. Absolutely, yeah. Winnington and McLaughlin, I think they qualified fifth or was it fourth and fifth fourth, passes. Fourth together, yeah. Yeah, and then I think if they're half a second slower, they miss the um, miss the yeah. final. So, yeah, that's right. So well, that's going to be anyone's anyone's to win. Not much in it. A German fella qualified fastest, um, and he was about two or three seconds quicker. So they do have a bit of work to do. But as I said, it's hard to compare um, different heats. Uh, following that, we've got the uh, women's 400 IM. So no Aussies in that, but um, for any swimming aficionados out there, uh, Hungarian Katinka Hossu's in. That's one of her pet events. Um, she's a defending Olympic champion, um, and she actually only qualified in seventh fastest this time. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if she can really turn it on um, tomorrow morning and go back to back in um, the 400 IM. And then at quarter to one, we've got the 4 by 100 freestyle um, women's relay. Um, and again, that the heats are on tonight and Australia qualified fastest. And we've got an absolute red hot uh, relay team there. So we should really be in with a good shot for gold um, with both the Campbells and Emma McKean um, in that. Following that, we've got the 100 butterfly. Um, so... That's just a semi. Emma McKean, again, she's, she did a massive PB there. So she's looking like she's in red hot form as well. To push she looked on. good in the pool tonight, I thought. Really good. Yeah, yeah. a good sign for things to come. Ollie, I think we should just keep it about the swimming. 
fair. Um, no comment, Al. <laughs> that that kind of wraps up the uh, the finals in the morning, and then tomorrow night we turn our attention to some more heats. So we've got the women's one under backstroke. So Emily Seaborn, bit of a veteran of the Aussie team, and Kaylee McCone, a um, a young gun who is, I believe, the current world record holder in the hundred back, um, which she broke at the Aussie trials. Uh, then we've got the two hundred, the men's two hundred free with Elijah Winnington and Tom Neal. The 100-meter breaststroke, the women's 100-meter breaststroke, Jess Hansen and Chelsea Hodges. The men's 100 back, Isaac Cooper and Mitch Larkin. Women's 400 free heat with Ariane Titmus and Tamsin Cook. Now, that'll be a good one to watch um, just to see how Ariane Titmus and Katie Ledecky, her uh, arch, American arch nemesis, who is, um, you know, she's kind of the superstar of that event and has been for some time now, but it seems as though Ariane Titmus is very much there to challenge her. So that's going to be a mouth-watering event tomorrow night to see what times they throw down. Uh, and then to round up the events, we've got the 4 four by 100 the men's 4 by 100 meter relay. So King Kyle and the boys will be looking to, um, you know, qualify for the finals uh, in a bit of a canter and set us up for a uh, another medal hope there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also looking forward to after seeing Eliza in there and um, McLaughlin tonight in the 400 metres. I feel like they'll be big, big additions to the 4 by 200 free relay, with, which I think King Kyle's going to be a part of as well. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to be a huge chance in the, each of the, um, the female relays. And um, it's looking like we could do quite a job on the medal tally across the relays and all the um, swimming relays. So I think overall tonight was pretty promising. Like, I know it was only heats, but everyone sort of, all the Aussies came came to swim and, and it really did a good job, which is yeah. something we didn't see in Rio, you know. Without putting the mocker on them, it seems as though they are tra- starting to peak at the right time. Absolutely. Which I guess has been the big criticism of the swimming team the last couple of Olympic cycles. Seems as though we sort of peaked for the world champs the year before or six months prior and then we dip off heading into the Olympics. So it's good to see um, some good quick times in the heats and let's just hope we can uh, push on in the finals. Big, big couple of days ahead of us. Yeah, it does certainly seem like we're reaping the benefits from um, f- copying the Americans' method of having the Olympic trials a couple of months uh, prior to the Olympics. So it's all looking good in the pool, which we love to see because it's sort of an event uh, or a set of events we grew up um, just expecting to win. And, and we pretty much did that, you know. All right, boys. Um, as we sort of like to do, we like to open and close on a sort of a lighter note. So um, we've all been to Japan and to Tokyo. And I think one of the, one of the greater experiences over there is the hitting the karaoke and getting the mic and um, having all you can drink whiskey and Cokes for two hours. Um, so I've got a quick question to ask both of you. If you were to do a karaoke duet with an Olympic athlete, what would your song be and who would you do a duet with? And I will throw to you first, Tommy. Um, tough one. Um, I know you boys know know quite well what my usual routine is, but I think I'd have to change it for the Olympics. And I think I'm going to go Because I Got High by Afro Man. And um, I would like actually, I'd like to bring Shikari Richardson over with me. I know she's actually not at the Olympics, um, perhaps because she did get high, um, but I think it'd be a good little show. Um, now, Bird, what about you? What have we got? 
Well, you know me, Tommy. Once you put a microphone in my hand, it's pretty hard to take it out. So um, I've gone for probably one of the longest songs um, in human existence, The Great American Pie by Don McLean. Um, and I've gone for a stamina athlete and Elliot Kipchoge to sing it with me because I know he's got the aerobic capacity to match my dulcet tones and the, um, the stamina to keep it going for sort of that seven or eight minutes, however long it goes. Um, so, Elliot, shout out to you, mate. Um, how about you, Ollie? I'd, I'd firstly like to start by saying there's no one I'd like to sing karaoke more than you, Al. Uh, me and you up there singing Raspberry Beret by Prince, but unfortunately not an Olympic athlete. Take through me no back, fault Ollie. Your, through no fault of your own, purely politics, but yeah. we'll move on. And, Hang on. And can, I just, can I just butt in there? <laughs> Go on. I'm just, I'd just like to announce to all the listeners that um, – Following the announcement of Brisbane 2032 being the Olympic host, uh, I'm going to start training to be European handball goalkeeper. <laughs> I think it's my, um, I might be 39 by the time they're on, but whoever said it's too little, too late, not me. Tom Brady, <laughs> Tom Brady, European handball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, mate. I've gone with um, just purely until 2032, I'm going to go with. Uh, Laurel Hubbard, the uh, Kiwi weightlifter, otherwise famously known as the first transgender athlete. And I reckon we get up there and sing that, um, what's that famous Shania Twain song? Actually, no, it's it's not Shania Twain. I'll go with Dave Dobbin's Slice of Heaven, considering she's from New Zealand. And we'd belt that one out together. A bit controversial of a choice, but a good choice nonetheless. (laughs) Ba-da-da. All right, fellas. Well, I think um, that's I think we're just good, good note half to, our audience. I think that's probably a good note to end it on. Um, Ollie, thanks for your time. Thanks, Al. Thanks Always for your time, Tommy. Looking forward Cheers to speaking out. tomorrow. And um, as great Ron Burgundy once said, you stay classy, Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs>